Hey, Dr. D here. Um, we just changed up the intro just a little bit. Um, I hope that you look forward to my chat with Dr. Coach Kelly um, today. Super exciting episode, but we did have some technical difficulties um, kind of at the beginning of the episode, so don't get uh, discouraged. We figured it all out. We she, she changed some stuff around. We got stuff popping, so didn't edit that out because the content was just too awesome. So hopefully we're able to kind of you know get through that for a little bit, kind of skip forward for about 15 seconds, um, and then continue to just rock and roll through that. So thank you again for listening to the episode. I hope that you enjoy it. Um, continue listening. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the High Impact Health Podcast with your host, Dr. Diamond Jones, physical therapist and fitness coach. And today I have an awesome physical therapist and coach with me um, from up there in New Jersey, hanging out where it's way too cold for me to be up there. I have Dr. Coach Kelly. And yes, I got that right because that's what he should be called, right? Our coach, Dr. Kelly. Which one do you prefer? I think Dr. Coach. Dr. Coach. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think you had to put the the kind of the, the one that supersede the other one. Uh, but yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah. It's a longer to get. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. Uh, yeah. Which one do you do? A, you you think that you use more the coach or the the, the doctor part? Oh, it's it's a pretty even split. I think. Sure, 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 uh, sure. So cool. Thank you for coming on to the episode. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. So cool. For so for those that don't know you, give give us a little bit of your background so they can come familiar with you, and then we'll just fire off from there. Cool. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm from New Jersey, born and raised here. Um, I went to graduate graduate school up in Boston at the MGH Institute of Health Professions, uh, and I did my undergrad at Catholic University, mm-hmm. and I played um, Division three college basketball there, and grew up playing sports my whole life. I'm I'm the youngest of four kids. I have two big brothers who we were always out in the yard doing something, you know, and my older brother is four years older than me. So I, I tended to want to keep up with him. So I got pretty good at playing sports because I had to, if I was going to, if he was going to let me play. Uh, so I played soccer, basketball and softball in high school and continued on my, my basketball career in college where I had a great, a great team and great teammates and just a really good experience. And Hey, real quick, the audio is kind of messing up a little bit. Uh-oh. Hello? That's better. Yeah, yeah, I got you. I got you covered now. Sorry. Okay, awesome. No, no worries. Um, so I started to say that my last year of uh, school was an internship that was up in Boston, and it was at a outpatient ortho facility that was kind of pediatric specific. And I really enjoyed that population. Uh, working with like the high school athlete and at that clinic I would say my average my average patient was probably like 10 years old and that means I saw zero and one year old and like 70 year olds Mm -hmm. and I saw everything in between there so I really I really grew to like that population and the variety that it offered Um, and I've I've been coaching basketball really since since I was in high school my old eighth grade coach kind of snagged me and had me come in and help her with the eighth grade team when I was a junior and senior in high school so I kept up with that as best I could in college and graduate school. And I found myself coaching 
uh, uh, I think there were sixth grade, sixth grade travel basketball right. while I was doing my internship. So I leave my internship, which I worked four 10 hour days. So I leave my internship at like eight o'clock some nights and I'd like hustle over to practice. And I found myself like loving hustling over to practice just so I could interact with these, you know, 11 year olds in, in a basketball atmosphere. And it was great because the coach, the other coaches loved it. Cause they were like, Oh, we have this physical therapist student here who like, if a kid gets hurt or if we need to adapt an exercise or whatever, she's, she can do that. Mm-hmm. So I finished my internship. I decided it was time to move home to New Jersey and my brother called me one day and he said, hey, one of his high school friends who coaches uh, high school soccer, hey, Dominique needs a, a JV coach for the, the Mount soccer team. I said, oh, I was like, that could be kind of fun to do while I like look for a real PT job down there. Like, sure. Yeah. So I signed up to coach JV soccer and, and it was great. I loved it. I fell, I fell right in love with it. And I was like, oh, shoot, like I just spent seven years going to get a doctorate degree. Uh, <laughs> and, now, and now I love coaching high school sports. Yeah. So I managed to find a, a part-time PT job where I was done by three o'clock every day. And that let me, uh, and that was in an outpatient ortho facility. And that let me um, continue to coach, which I loved. And then they needed a freshman basketball coach and I coached freshman basketball and then they needed help with the JV softball team. So I helped out with JV softball mm-hmm. and I found myself kind of year round back, you know, involved in the sports that I was involved in, but just coaching them. Right. And so that was the first year I was out of school. The second year, um, that, that part-time job was only Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So then I found a Tuesday and Thursday, um, school position that needed a couple hours a week. And let me, I was like, this would be great if I fell in love with the school environment, because then I could easily, I could work a full-time job and I could coach and it would, the hours would work and it would be great. And I love treating the kids, but the administrators and everybody else in the school, and they were, they were very nice, but it just, it wasn't. It was too uh, kind of, you know, it was public school, but it felt too corporate to me. Right. Absolutely. It was, yeah. It was a lot of, yeah, right. It was a lot of people to, to answer to and to send paperwork to. And it was never just about treating the kid in front of you. It was dealing with, uh, you know, their teacher and then the administrators and all the other uh, team members who were wonderful people. But it just wasn't my, I just didn't drive with it. It wasn't my thing. Mm. So I did that until June and then this past like September, I kind of started thinking like maybe I should open up my own place. Like that's really the, the, the best way for me to be able to help the people who I want to help in the way I want to help them. And so I ended up leaving. It took me a couple months to kind of muster up the courage to, to leave my other job and, uh, and pursue opening my own clinic, which opened its doors maybe about a month ago. And, uh, and I'm in the process of filling it up and learning as I go uh, in that regard. It kind of catches you up to speed. Yeah, I was, I was on a call last night and like the guy asked me, hey, how did you figure out all this business stuff you're telling me about? And I said, I messed up <laughs> so many times early <laughs> on. So, I, you know, I, you know re- re- whether you're a new grad or a trained you know, vet, um, I commend you for, you know, stepping out there and trying to figure it out on your own. And you know, I love, you know, I would have loved to kind of work in a – Know, setting conducive to what I really like, like the spirit setting or something like that, but a lot of politics and stuff that goes on in that. So, hey, I just was like, all right, let me remove myself from that, get linked up with gems and start my own thing, and then rock and roll. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. You're, you're right, you gotta just do it. I'm learning yeah, yeah. that as I go. You gotta fly by the seat of your pants and 
surround yourself with good people who support you and, and go from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still a lot of feedback through here. Yeah, sure. All right, I think that we're good to go right there. All right, yeah, so cool. Just just to follow up a little bit, you just uh, from the coaching aspect of things, kind of, you know, take, you know, uh, obviously always have that clinician hat on, but, you know, still, you know, being able to coach uh, sports and sports that, you know, there are some some politics and stuff that, that like, goes on. How have you, you know, transitioned or made that, that comfortable when it comes to coaching and also having that health and fitness a better coach? Do you think that allows you to look at it from a different perspective when it comes to training or how practice is set up or any of that stuff? Still kind of hard to hear you. Yeah. Better that way, maybe? Yeah, 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 for sure. Whatever you just did is awesome. Is it better like this? Yes, absolutely. Okay, sorry. I had a, I had a set of headphones on, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do take them off. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I should have asked you that before we started. Sorry. Mm, that's good. Um, so, yeah, being, being a coach certainly makes me a better PT. Being a PT, I think, certainly makes me a better coach. And what my favorite part about coaching is, like, being on the front lines of, like, the injury prevention. Sure. And and being able to set up our, our practice and our warm-ups so that these kids are, are actually warmed up the way they're supposed to be uh, so that their heart rates are up and the blood's pumping through their bodies and not yeah. – so funny how many teams still just static stretch, and it drives me bananas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Up a up a wall, um, mm. but coaches don't know any better. Right, they just they just don't, and that's where if I can educate and I can show right during my practice, and it takes it's, usually it takes about seven minutes to get a good like plyometric warm up in. It doesn't take a lot of time, and it's so much more effective. Um, so I think, and it and it's research driven. And that's the best part of it. If if a parent or another coach comes up to me and like, hey, why are you doing that? I can hand them articles on injury prevention in, in young female athletes and go, here, this this is why we're doing this. And I, I'd encourage you to pick it up. I'm happy to talk to you about that. Um so I think I think from that perspective, that's really like my my favorite part of incorporating coaching and being a PT. The other thing that's that's great and that the kids love and the other coaches and our athletic trainer at the high school um, is awesome. Is awesome. He's been like super supportive, but he's also got hundreds of kids to manage. So he and I have been really collaborative in if there's something that I can kind of triage as a PT, right? If a kid starts, if, if we got a pulled hamstring in the beginning of the year or whatever we have, I can I can assess it. I can say, yeah, you guys need to go to Scott for this. Or, um, you know, I, I, can, I can take that from him. I make him aware of it, but I tell him, I'll, I'll monitor it. If you need to worry about it, you need to worry about it. And we have a really, a really nice working relationship. He's been great. Um, and even at, like, we'll go to away games, right? This has happened a bunch of times where a kid, go, kid gets hurt on the field. And, like, I pride myself on sprinting out there. I want to be the first. Like, I, you know, I, I pride myself on beating the athletic training staff out there being the first, you know, face that the kids see and voice that they hear mm-hmm. just because I'm more familiar to them. 
Mm-hmm. So I think that's, and that's been really valuable. Unfortunately, we had a girl um, who broke her collarbone playing basketball this season and, mm-hmm. and she just collided with another kid. And I, I ran out there and I said, you know, Car- Carly, what's going on? I thought, I thought she dislocated her shoulder, um, but it ended up being a broken collarbone. And she told me later, she was like, I didn't even know it was you until you like spoke to me. Like, I, you know, I kind of blacked out. I couldn't really see you. But once I heard your voice, I kind of started to calm down. And like, just being able to offer her that, right? That's like a super scary moment. And she was in a ton of pain. Um, makes makes being on the front lines of of coaching, right? And being the first one out there and having a degree that that allows me to understand what's going on with them and not just be another kind of panicked spectator. Mm-hmm. And I gotta have a level a level head and, and do an assessment of it. That'd be helpful. It's it's super rewarding for me and I think it it really helps the kids and the parents stay yeah. calm in, in a potentially really disastrous situation. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like uh, you know, the co- couple of things to unpack there. Obviously I commend you for being a coach and being out there on the front line. So many times you see on, you know, on, you know, different social media channels, you know, this coach is doing this wrong or my son baseball coach is doing this or my daughter's, you know, gymnastic coach is doing this and they're clinicians. I'm like, well, hey, we, we have an opportunity to educate or we have an opportunity to become assistant, have an opportunity to become the head coach. So there are a couple of different ways we can kind of go about that. But sitting on the sidelines, like you said, and kind of making, you know, playing Monday quarterback like the rest of the parents, it's like, yo, you have this unique degree use it, you know, especially if it's at the detriment of your children or people that you know, it's like, hey, you know, we have to be on the forefront with that. And you know, rather you're coaching group classes or you're coaching like team sports, like we have the unique opportunity, like you said, to kind of take that onus off that trainer who's dealing with 105 students or 130 students all at one time and really manage our team or manage our, you know, you know, our, 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 our classes in uh, like a way that allows them to like do their job easier or just say, Hey, look, I got this one. I'll relate the information back to you or Hey, just being super collaborative. Right. It's like any other coach should be, but we have a unique perspective, you know, from a clinical and you know side. And also too, when you talk about, you know, being able to, you know, you know, interject, you know, your, 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 your opinion and, and interject your opportunity to be, you know, a, a clinician. I think that that's like, that's super cool that like you're also able to do that too, that you're not just, you know, Coach Kelly. You also get to be Dr. Coach Kelly as well when it comes to different things too. And I think that's a common misperception for those that aren't necessarily, you know, doing it yet. I'm like, well, if I have to, I have to put this hat on, I'll put this, you know, take this hat off. Because I know you continue to be both at the same time, simultaneously getting really good results on the clinical side and then kicking teams' butt on the coaching side. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah, so so like let's 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 touch on youth injury prevention and and kind of some research and stuff behind that. I know there's a bunch of stuff being pumped out right now. Tell me some of the latest and greatest stuff. Um, you know, because I'm not always reading reading it, but tell me some of the latest and greatest stuff that's coming out on injury prevention. How do we keep these youth sports athletes healthy and you know knocking out stuff and you know you know continue to fulfill their dream to to be you know in the big leagues one day. Although, you know, so, you know, some of them won't be. So it's, but it's all good. Everyone at 12 year old think they're going to be there. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah I thought I was. Deserve to have that dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say it again. And they, like, deserve to have that dream. Like, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Fire for that. Yeah, no, for sure. So tell us some, some of the latest, greatest stuff that's out there right now. Yeah, there is, 
you know, it's, it's a good thing and it's a bad thing because mm -hmm. there's so much information out there. Um, there are some really great clinicians down in Australia. There's, there's a guy named, um, I don't know his last name, but he goes by Coach Harry. Yeah. And he's got, he's got the Youth Athletic Development Academy down in Australia. And it's been really interesting to see some of the things he's been posting and following him. And a lot of it is, is, is centered around strength training, which you'll yeah. appreciate. Uh, and it's, it's really interesting because if you look at how much strength training a typical team does, how much good strength training, right? With good right. form and proper mechanics, mm -hmm. it's so minimal, right? You look at what, sh what should be done and what is actually being done, and there's such a, a disconnect between those two. Um, so I think definitely good, good strength training, training programs that are designed to prevent overuse injuries, to strengthen muscles and tendons that tend to get, um, tend to get compromised Mm -hmm. especially in a in a culture now where single sport specialization is so common mm -hmm. uh, which you know i could talk for hours about that yeah on, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. On, on a separate occasion mm -hmm. but um but i think certainly com coming up through through the research now there's a stronger emphasis on strength training um the course that i took was was sports metrics for acl injury prevention I went over to Cincinnati and Dr. Noyes has done some awesome research there and continues to come out with really good research on implementing plyometric programs into a daily warm-up. And there's a couple out there, a couple ACL injury prevention programs out there, and, and they're all kind of on par with one another. The point being, like, do, pick one and do it. You know, they're only good if, you, if they're executed. And, um, and so I've kind of... I see it from a coach's perspective of wanting to, to utilize time the best mm -hmm. because it's funny. And, and you only see this if you're in the coaching aspect of it. Most, most middle school teams practice once or twice a week for an hour and a half. Right. And middle, middle school coaches want so much more than that. Right. And I, I commend coaches at the younger levels because they have more to do with the fewest resources of any other coach, right? They're not getting paid. They don't get the gym space. Sometimes they're dealing with like, they don't have enough balls. Like they have so much to do and teach and the fewest resources to do it. Whereas mm -hmm. we get them in high school, we get them five days a week. We have all the equipment we want for the most part. And we, and by that point, you know, there, there should be less to do with them, right? Less things to work on and focus on or higher level things to, to work on and focus on. Um, so as far as implementing injury prevention, when you tell a youth coach, hey, I need five, 10 minutes of, your, of the start of your practice, that's like, that's a, that's a high percentage of their practice time. And they're yeah. like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> right, and, right. So you could, you could present them all the research in the world, right? Here's this great, you know, six minute warm up, And they're like, nah, we stretch for three and then we're good. I'm like, nah, no, you're not. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but it's, it's gonna, you know, they're good until a kid gets hurt. And then they call me and they're like, what do I do? Yeah, listen to me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but it's it's been, I think, me being kind of local and in town, a bunch of the kids have older siblings who mm -hmm. I have coached and who I've put through my, like, plyometric warm-up where we do, you know, they all hate the inchworm, but we do the inchworm. And we yeah, do, love it. Uh, right, so just, just, and they don't even realize it, right? You're using muscles that you, you just don't use when 
when you're only playing your one sport. So demanding that of them and of their bodies, especially when they can, mm-hmm. right? They're capable of doing it. They just don't like it. Um, is huge. It's yes. huge. So, you know, as far as the research goes, so got to, I kind of went around about there, but um, strength training is a, is a big component to it and the right strength training done the right way and programmed the right way and implementing some type of consistent warm up where if it's done 10 minutes a day, five days a week, that's almost an hour a week. And you do that over a 12 week season mm-hmm. and you're getting 12 hours of, of good injury prevention in mm-hmm. uh, without the kids even really realizing it. Yeah. And, and like on top of, you know, that's just, you know, like you said, like, you know, normal, you know, warm ups during the, you know, just the practice week. Let's talk about even during game day and you know, kind of mm-hmm. if they're able to do some stuff on their own, um, that would be awesome. But well, we, I mean, we all know that middle schoolers aren't thinking about that kind of stuff, right? even high schoolers for that, yeah. for that matter, like, like that, why isn't as important to them? So yeah, obviously some stuff to unpack there. I, I again, I think it's awesome that you're, uh, again, at the forefront of, of, you know, looking at this stuff, being a part of it. Obviously, strength training, which I do appreciate, is huge right now. I'm trying to work with a couple of local teams right now to get them to the gyms, get them moving during their off season. say, hey, look, understand that, you know, you all have something else coming up you know, here soon, or you want to, you know, go and do another boot camp or another style type of training, but hey, let's actually get in here. Let's get some movement. Let's get some load through those tissues. Let's just make them stronger athletes and just build that resiliency and tolerance. And I guarantee you um, almost to like, I almost will put my like, my coaching like uh, certificate on the line, I guess. Um, That, you know, from that standpoint, like they're going to be, you know, better athletes in the long run, at least building that longevity, especially like you said, you like you coach a, a, a lot of young ladies, like, Oh my gosh, like you're talking about yep. like some really great research, some really great results on those that are just stronger and those that are able to kind of control the body a little bit more, especially at that awkward like age. I mean, even guys, like you just see some 12 year olds just fumble around, like hey, what the heck? But you know, obviously, from a young lady standpoint, it's just you know, being able to build that control up, build that confidence up too. I think that's huge. When I work with, you know, some people I work with mm-hmm. and they're saying, hey, look, look at that leg pressure just there. I think it's awesome. And I think right now we're shifting it in a societal, uh, like a society standpoint, societal standpoint as well, which is, which I think is, which is what I think is good. It shouldn't have taken us to do that, but I think no longer now. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. We shouldn't have had to do that for this to happen, but look, whatever pushed the needle forward to get right. those you know, those young ladies that keep moving, I think, you know, you know, uh, I think more and more research come out that says, hey, you're going to build longevity of athletes, which is all that the coaches care about. <laughs> uh, hey, look, you're like, hey, look, you're going to be better athletes. Oh, great. Okay, cool. I don't care about research. Just like load them up if you have to. So I think that's pretty cool. And like, I think, I think the combination of clinician and coaches is, is really being able to do that too. So. Sure, sure. Yeah, and that's, all, and that's what you're doing too, which is like the coolest thing because mm-hmm. Because as a PT, right, like, I, I do enjoy, like, rehabbing injuries. And I love mm-hmm. seeing people get back to the things that they want to do. Right. I'd rather not see them happen in the first place. Yeah. 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 I'd rather. Right? Like, how much, it's just so, it's so much better, so much easier to mm-hmm. stop something early than have to go back and treat it. Right. It's mm-hmm. like, so, so I think we have a really unique chance to do that as, as coaches. Right. Because you get you get people who are motivated and, and most of the time want to see a change before, like, know they need to make a change. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, otherwise, they're not going to go down a path they want to go down. Um, so I think that's it's a really kind of unique 
place to be and and we're kind of forging a path and doing it because it's not a typical you know PT career yeah no absolutely and like I tell my athletes all the time hey look I'd rather coach you than treat you so mm-hmm. hey look do what we gotta do for this warm-up you know do your right stuff you gotta do at home you know come in five to ten minutes early um you know knock out the stuff that's on the board for yourself warm-up then we'll run through another warm-up then we'll make sure that you're good for the potentiation side of the ramp principle, then we'll, you know, we'll hammer it out. Cause you know, from that standpoint, like, you know, we're getting a good 20 minutes and you know, obviously we don't need that long, but for some people it's like, Hey, look, let's get you in here. Let's get stuff moving. Now obviously we can hit those heavy loads or hit some plyometric training or, you know, do some agility drills or something like that. Just kind of priming that system up. And I think from that standpoint, that's, that's where, you know, that clinician side comes in. Cause like I'm constantly on the injury prevention side rather than caring about how much you just lift it. And I think, us we need to kind of jab and talk about those soft skills and you know being able to kind of talk about that and not say that other coaches aren't able to do that i think nick saban is well you know nick saban or you know the late great pat summit or you know insert any other you know collegiate athlete or you know pro coaches you know they they, they still got some good stuff right but i think from that standpoint we're also we're always thinking about the injury prevention side of things for just like any athlete not just those elite ones so yeah yeah, yeah, absolutely. For sure. So you, you touched on it a little bit. Um, I'm going to let you go on this diatribe. Uh, that's okay. Uh, this is what we have a podcast for. You talk about, um, you know, uh, single sport athletes, um, <laughs> single sport athletes a little bit. Um, obviously, you had a little bit of a, a little bit of nerve that was struck right there. Um, talk a little bit about, um, you know, specialization, I guess, as you know, our profession calls it. And, you know, right. some of the stuff that's out there right now should be specialized. Does me having my son uh, play baseball all year long yield itself to, you know, him becoming a great MLB player one day? Or what is the kind of the, the, the nuance out there that's going on right now? Yeah, this, like you said, I could talk for, for hours yeah. about this. Um, it's, it's so fun. It's such a, what, like, what a time to be alive in youth sports. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Yes, I, I agree. People can make yeah. tra- like trainers and, and personal trainers and year-round mm-hmm. skill coaches are making a killing. Right, like, oh, my God. Uh, real and, quick, George, George Whitfield, you know, you know that guy? The, the, football, the football quarterback guy? Oh, oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> His youth football camps, I don't even want to tell you how much they cost, but you can continue to go. I'm sorry. Right. No, no, no. It's to- totally good. And that, but like that, you know, feeds into the point of like, mm-hmm. y- yeah, it's, it's an industry. It mm-hmm. really, really is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think this generation of parents, I think every generation of parents loves their kids, right? There's no question about that. And they want what's best for their kids and they want their kids to have a great experience. And the things that sports provide, right? The things that sports should provide, I should say that, Right self-development, right? Discipline, teamwork, collaboration, problem solving, all those things that you want your kid to benefit from, right? And learn, which is they're, they're a lot harder to learn from, from mom or dad than they are from coach and your teammates. I think some, some of that might be starting to get a little bit lost on, on athletes who want to, who specialize in a sport early mm-hmm. from, so there's, there's kind of two avenues, right? There's the physical consequences avenue, and then there's the emotional and the psychological consequences avenue. So if you, if you go through the physical stuff, right, 
if kids specialize, I think it's, I think now the age is 12. Yeah. If kids specializes before the age of 12, their risk of injury goes up exponentially. Yeah. Um, and I'd have, to, I'd have to go back and look at the stats on that, but you know, on my, on my Facebook page and I follow a bunch of other people, like at least three times a week, I'm posting something about early, you know, don't, don't <laughs> specialize early. Yeah. Hey, look, um, Hey, 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 look for the next post, tag me in it. Cause I can share it out too, but go ahead. Oh, I will. Yeah. I will. Yeah. Sure. Appreciate yeah. It. Um, yeah. And, you know, you, you just look at it from a physical standpoint of, yeah, if you throw a baseball 300 days a year for four years, yeah, you're going to, you're not made to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, especially at age eight, right? Ages eight through 12. Um, so you start to see, you know, I, I rehabbed the youngest kid I rehabbed from an ACL injury was 10. Mm. And this little 10 year old kid, and he was the sweetest kid. I'll never forget him. Nicest kid. Uh, tore it playing lacrosse, right? And wasn't wasn't he had played other sports? You think he played football? He played a little baseball. He played some basketball, and just kind of got unlucky and tore it playing lacrosse. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he was a big reason that I wanted to go into the prevention aspect because I remember once he got cleared to run, right? You tell your doctor, your surgeon tells a ten year old you're cleared to run. Oh boy! And he came to- they all fired up and he's like I can play football on the playground again it's like ah no you can't right like not not yet buddy and it was so hard for me to have that conversation with him and I remember my clinical instructor at the time looking at me and going you have you have to tell him this like you have to get good at practicing telling kids like interpreting um their surgeon's words Mm -hmm. and um and I remember having that conversation and we got through it and his mom was super supportive and everybody was, was good. And when he, he finally did get cleared, you know, we, I think we had a party in the clinic that day. Like it was, <laughs> it was, yeah. um, but I, you know, I encouraged him and, and just about every other youth athlete who I run into, like play other stuff because for, for a couple of reasons, right. If we go down that physical Avenue, you're going to use muscles and, and joints and movements that, that your body's capable of. Right. But if you play one sport, it doesn't use them. Right. Right. And from the psychological and emotional standpoint, um, you're not you're not going to get tired of going out in your driveway and, and shooting hoops if you got football practice, you know, in the fall and and basketball in the winter and baseball in the spring. You're not going to get tired of of you're going to miss basketball if you right. give yourself a, a break from basketball. Let let yourself miss it. Um. You know, there's there's that standpoint, and it stops them from from burning out, which I think is is uh it's really sad when that yeah. happens. You see a, a a ten to fourteen year old kid just go, I don't want to do it anymore. Right? And and I I'm not a sports parent. I don't I've never had to have that conversation with my own child, but I can imagine how difficult that is for a parent who spent you know the last four years every Saturday morning waking up at six and going to a tournament and watching. 15 games over the weekend uh with hopes that your kid you know wants to continues to enjoy the sport and wants to go go on and pursue it mm-hmm. for that kid to to you know kind of have the guts to say i don't want to do this anymore uh and a parent to respect it and to go okay you know and and not get mad at it i can only imagine what those conversations are like but i think you know avoiding specializing allows you to miss the other sports it gets you better at the other sports. And it's funny, I played three and the footwork to field a ground ball was, I was a goalie in soccer, right? Was similar to the footwork of, of stopping a goal. Was similar to the footwork of defense. 
yeah. of basketball, right? So like, and the, the field and the, and the visual, visual awareness that you need, you know, to be a soccer goalie is the same you need to be as a point guard. Mm-hmm. So play, I think, I think the skills are, they're different, but they overlap so much that they, they're so valuable in making better athletes. And I think, you know, if we look at the long term of it, that's what leads to healthier adults. You know, that's like, it's, it's hard to think of a 10 year old with like, you know, developing into someone who's going to have heart disease, but if they burn out from their sport and they hate, and then they don't like working out or they don't find something that they enjoy doing, then it leads to a more sedentary lifestyle. Right. And the more sedentary lifestyles lead to more an, an easier threshold to get an injury at, right. A lower threshold to get an injury. So that's when we see it in the clinic of, you know, a 40 year old who used to play tennis right, and now pick, pick some stuff back up at the gym. And once I started going back to the gym, you know, my shoulders hurt or my elbow or my wrist or whatever. And I think if we can encourage like youth athletes to stay athletes and stay active, that we do society good by keeping, you know, by keeping the adult population active and, and lowering the risk for, for chronic diseases and, and improving quality of life at that. Yeah. yeah. A bunch of stuff to unpack there. Um, definitely for sure. Like I, I think from a standpoint of, like you said, specializing too early and then, you know, kind of the research going from there. I, uh, I think a cool stat that, came out a couple of years ago was the MLB All-Stars. I don't know if this is 2017, but like out of like all of the MLB All-Stars, like all except one played more than like two sports or something like that. It was some crazy stat. I'm like, and baseball is one of the, I, I would say from an anecdotal standpoint, one of the probably the most specialized sports and youth sports, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. So it's like All-Stars who are the cream of the crop at baseball, which is, that stuff is hard, okay? Yep. <laughs> to be really good <laughs> yep. in baseball, enough to make an MLB yep. all-star team one time, that's crazy. Yep. Like, you have to have everything in order. You know, your, your, like you said, your footwork, your just everything. So it's like the skill acquisition work needed in baseball is high. And for, yep. for those all-stars, right, these people that are the cream of the crop that have played more than baseball, that shows you, like, hey, look, it's okay if you, you know, you step away from it and you take an off season or even if it's just an off season, right? Let's not even talk about like you playing 15 sports. Let's just off season. Say if like you're like, I'm super passionate about it. I'm happy if I like, you know, going from regular team to travel team to AAU to, I'm like, dude, that's a lot on the body. And like you yeah. said, unfortunately what happens is like, you know, people flame out or you know, they just burn out and it just never yields to the success that anyone wants if they do right. it too early and they don't do it in the right kind of, concise format so I, yeah. I think that's something that we're both pushing for which is awesome we need more clinicians we need more people out there coaches kind of screaming the same thing like yeah hey, look th- there's nothing wrong with saying hey I have a naturally gifted son or daughter at this sport but also realizing look you know if there's six then hey, <laughs> <laughs> like if there's six then okay great you know I'm sure they're the best kid in the in, in the sandbox but you know, like, don't don't get overzealous, but, you know, obviously right. come high school, look, there's nothing, you know, I think, you know, the research, right, like like you said, come, you know, come high school age, in, in my opinion, then we start looking at, okay, where's the potential future in this thing? Because right. now we have, right. some, yeah, yeah who, cause I've seen some 14-year-olds who have selected out for a sport, and I'm like, all right, you're probably going to be a basketball player because you're six foot right. ten. Let's start yeah. like, trying yeah. to figure that part out. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. Absolutely. And it's funny you mentioned the, the MLB players. I forgot. I think I think it was Wayne Gretzky, but I haven't been able to find it. Sure. Somebody asked Wayne Gretzky, like, hey, like, what'd you do? What'd you do? Uh, you know, year round, like what camps and stuff did you go to year round? How, where'd you play hockey year round when you were younger? And he was like, that, like, oh no, it was, how'd you get better at hockey in the off season? He goes, I played baseball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yes. That. <laughs> the greatest. Yeah. Right, 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 right. right. Best hockey player ever. Yeah. yeah. And you know, obviously you hear about LeBron James playing tight end. You hear about, you know, obviously like Michael playing some baseball and stuff like that. Again, a Kyler Murray who could potentially be the number one pick in the NFL draft, literally played baseball and got drafted in baseball. So it's like, we're telling you all, and you know, you can look at all kinds of history of sports and these people are all stars in basketball, football, like, you know, yes, they're still great athletes, but they were multi-sport all-star they were multi-sport players and i think you know it didn't make them any better you know any you know any, any worse obviously because they're at the top of their profession they made it to the league they got really good they selected out at height or size eventually but you know some of them go through college and play in two sports like you got to be pretty darn good to do that so i think we can go back and forth on this and i think people get it now but specialize you know specialize 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 no. But, you know, from a standpoint, you know, obviously, like, you know, there's, there's research and there's anecdotal evidence to say playing two sports is not a bad thing. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, sure. Sure. So, yeah, you, you, you talked about your clinic a little bit. Um, so you could definitely do some some, some self-plugs on that. Obviously, we, 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 we may or may not have some people from New Jersey, but what is your goal as far as when it comes to, to, to your clinic? Is it cash pay? I'm a fellow business owner and practice owner, so – I just want to nerd out about that a little bit. Is it just focus yeah. on new sports? Tell, tell, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, like you said, I learn it as I go. Yeah. And absolutely. Um, kind of started the journey a couple months ago and looked into the insurance based aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because, because even just trying to go in network with insurance is, is, is such an involved process. That's, that's not, really high skilled it's not difficult to do it just takes a long time yeah and in trying to to pursue something that might have been in network i learned pretty quickly like i don't even know if this is something that i want to yeah. entertain um because if this is the process to get in what's it going to be like when i'm trying to trying to get paid from them right what's it going to be like if i'm trying to get more visits from them what's it going to be like to try to work through them and after talking um I don't know if you know who James Ashcroft is. He's another, um, he's a PT up in Massachusetts. Married, and, yeah. and um, actually married one of my best friends from PT school. Mm-hmm. So, um, I was talking with James who owns a cash pit clinic in Massachusetts and his, his kind of words of advice to me were like, if you don't, if the purpose of opening your clinic is to be uninhibited right, and be able to make decisions for your patients based on what's best for your patients, you sh- you should really consider going the cash base out of network route because then you can do that. Right? If if you try to do it insurance based, you're going to end up getting kind of chained into whatever the insurance company wants you to do, mm-hmm. and that's that's just not how I want to be able to treat people. Right. My my goal is to treat the right people the right way, and um, I think just being being out of network will allow me to do that a lot better than than being in network. Um, and that being said, the reason I, I considered going in network was because the people I want to help are mostly high school athletes. And I totally understandably, I understand that, that mom and dad want 
to go to an in-network insurance place because uh, most of the time, like deductibles have been met or high family deductibles have been met. And I totally understand that. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and that's good with me. And there's some great local clinics in town that I'm happy to, to send people to if that's what they want to do. But I know that they'll get 85% better. There. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's great. Good. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. You want that other 15%? Call me up. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's, I mean, that, I mean, that to put chills. That's exactly what I say. I say, yeah, they're going to get you about 85% better for two reasons. One, because, you know, the clinician can't necessarily match the same thing because they're kind of strapped by the insurance part of it, right? The insurance mm-hmm. see that there are seven, there's 70 out of 80 on that left. And they're like, well, we're not paying for any more visits. <laughs> but wait a minute, we haven't yet gotten to plyometrics or this kind of thing. So I think that's huge. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's where I'm kind of focusing. And right now it's, uh, like I said, I took the sports metrics course in, mm-hmm. uh, in Cincinnati a couple of years ago. And that's really valuable because that offers, like they call it a sports injury test. Yeah. And it's, well, there's the software on an iPad and you hook, you, you put ping pong balls on an athlete and watch them jump and you slow-mo video it and you, anal- excuse me, you analyze it. And it's really, it gives you really good objective feedback on how a kid jumps. You can say, oh, they got knee valgus when they jump, right? Their knees go in. But this gives it a degree, right? It gives it a percentage. And you put them through six weeks of training and then you retest them. And I've done it on on probably 10, 15 athletes in the last couple of years. And, and it's remarkable, the changes that are made. Um, but of course, an insurance company doesn't care about that. Right? Mm-hmm. An insurance company isn't going to pay for that. Um, but parents who, who kind of get it, and, uh, and those are the greatest people to work with, those parents who are like, listen, I know they're playing a ton of sports, but like, I want them to be able to keep doing that. So like, how can you help me? And, and they, they're the gold mines. They are like, they get it. They want to invest in their kid the right way. And, um, and they know that, that a PT is the right person to help them mm-hmm. to be able to do that. So, um, so kind of that's, that's where I'm starting to pursue a little bit um, as far as getting, you know, getting revenue and, and, and some dollars in the door mm-hmm. um, is kind of in the, in the injury prevention. And it's, it's funny because my nephew is three and a half. I'm like, God, I love him to death. He's the yeah. sweetest, super fun. And I had him in my clinic the other day. This was a few weeks ago and he just loves it. Right. The clinic's a, a big open space. I don't really have a ton of equipment. Um, you know, I got, I got some bands, I got, you know, some hurdles, um, physio balls, that kind of stuff. And he loves just like running around the clinic and he'd pick something out and we'd throw it and it's all good. Like gross motor development. I mentioned that I really enjoy the pediatric population. So he, my brother looked at me, he was like, set, set something up because parents are always looking, especially for this age group, they're energetic little three, four year old. Yeah. So, like they just take them somewhere where it's, it's somewhat organized. There's like a team atmosphere to it and they can just get their energy out. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's funny cause there's all these, all these Facebook groups and I posted in, in a local mom's group just to, just to see if I could like garner some interest, right? Is there anybody who would be interested in this? And like, I, I don't know what the number's up to. It's at least 25, like 25. <laughs> oh yeah. boy. Yeah. Like, Hey, look, yes, you could be a babysitter for uh, yeah. an hour. <laughs> yes. I love it. Right. And so it like, and that's what it feels like. But it's funny because a couple of moms were like, you know, my kid has gross motor delays. Can you accommodate for this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, absolutely. And it's yeah, funny because yeah. all the places that offer things like that and those places can't. Right. And they're not designed to do that. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, 
that's going to be an avenue. Um, hopefully I can get that up in the next couple of weeks of, of filling a few hours a week um, with, I'm going to call it kid, kid fit or kid fitness. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I got to, uh, no, I mean, just to just, just kind of step away. Like I've, I've done that same thing. The coaching aspect of it has been huge and yeah. kind of taking my niche and saying, Hey, look, just what it is. I created a boot camp simple, just around people that are a particular age group right before they get to the nursing home, right? Or start talking about nursing home, but also yeah. a little bit older than our normal gym population. I said, I'm going to create a boot camp two times a week to put some weight into their hands and have them do stuff that allow them to basically feel like they're strong and not old and not weak. Awesome. And, you know, Ooh, I can't awesome. wait to start. Yeah, right. And it's like, again, people think, you, you know, they, they, like they hear PT or they hear whatever and they say, hey, look, you got to treat patients from, you know, zero to 40 hours a week. And it's like, no, we're yeah. so much more than that. Like, like you are a rehab coach, right? You are a, you know, like you said, a youth sport coach, right? And you also wear a clinician hat and you can do multiple different avenues when it comes to doing that stuff. So I commend you for even thinking about that idea or, you, you know, like you said, your brother, uh, of that idea and like getting that ball rolling because, you know, yeah, you. yeah, like you can catch stuff early. Like that's what I'm trying to do too. Like catch stuff yeah. early, like, oh crap, we're going to take heart rate, blood pressure, look at, you know, right. Um, right. all kinds right. of stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Look at all yeah. kinds of stuff. Say, hey, look, let's let's look at this stuff, right? Before you before you get hooked on all these pills, before you it let the effects of menopause affect you, like really being able to hammer at it and look at it. Oh my gosh, I can't wait for this thing to start. But you know, like you I'm so know, excited how excited you are. That's awesome. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Similar to your program, man. It's it's just one of those things where we can take what we've learned in those seven years and do yeah. even more with it. Like, yeah. yeah, we can build CPT code, sure. But during it, we can also prevent injuries. We can also, like, get out there and teach little three-year-olds how to burn their energy so when their mom pick them up. It's, like, awesome, right? We can create injury prevention mm -hmm. programs for, you know, you know, youth sports. And we can also talk to moms, you know, pre- and postpartum, like, all kinds of stuff, man. It's, it's yeah. like, yo, we can do whatever we want to do with this day. Like, they literally gave us a license and said, do whatever. Like, yo. Right. <laughs> right within reason but he said do whatever yeah do whatever and i think you know in this you know obviously i'm getting way too excited but i think in this you know this generation of, of pts are doing that and i think that that's that's cool I, and like obviously that's why i want to talk with you because it's like well shoot this is another yeah. person that took their degree and said i'm not going to just be you know I'm, you know I'm, I'm not just going to be a pt which if that's what you want to do nine to five sure i am sure like whatever like hey do your thing it's a, right? it's a great job sure a great job yeah it's 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 magnificent like i you know i, I thought people found like we have a chance to save people lives because if they fail pt the all the uh, the options out there aren't pretty right we're talking about surgery for some people that yeah. a lot of people that don't need it you know opioids that could you know all kinds yeah. of stuff that that little whole little and he and like i hate to go off on a tangent but that whole where the heck that leads to um right. right so it's like that epidemic that we're a part of so it's like yo like we have an opportunity to really do some cool stuff and i think you know whatever your niche is whatever your passion is there's 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 a way that used to be done right you could work for a sports clinic you could deal with the insurance stuff you can kind of deal with the parents and all this other stuff but you're like look i'm in such a niche type of thing from a coach's standpoint i can get you really ready to go out there and perform at your peak without having, like you said, insurance companies or someone, even someone 
tell 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 me that we can or can't do this. I mean, the sky's the limit from that standpoint. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So cool. So went on my diatribe. I know that you got to get out of here. I got class. I got to coach here in a few <laughs> minutes. I could chat with you all day long, but yeah, dude, this is great. This yeah, is sure. Yeah, sure. Oh my god, I know. I wish we had more time, but uh, I know there's some people listening. No, right it's now. all. It's all. Yeah. They're like, hey, I really want to learn more about youth sports. I really want to get into coaching. Um, where do all, you know, where, where, where do all the people find you at on the social medias? And uh, just plug all that stuff that you got. Yeah, awesome. Um, so I'm on Facebook a ton. Um, my business page is whatever it is, facebook.com slash KJDPT. Um, so, yeah, so there's that. And then my Instagram, I'm on Instagram a ton too. And the Instagram handle is just Dr. Coach Kelly, DR. Coach Kelly. Um, and then I use Twitter on occasion, and it's K underscore Josephson. Yeah, sure. And I'll, I'll put all that in the show notes. Everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, no, for sure. Like, Twitter has uh, – I, I did it earlier in my PT uh, school days, and now yeah. I post maybe once a month or so. It's, it's yeah, just, I, don't, I don't use it a ton. I use it a ton for finding other PTs and finding research and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. like, I, yeah, I, I completely changed the way I used it. Like, I just select yeah. the right now. Like, oh, something's, something's popping. Okay, let me go look at that, read that. Okay, great, I got it, and then move on. But, yeah, no, tw- Twitter has its place for some. Uh, definitely, you know, that the higher-ups, uh, <laughs> professionals, I guess you could say, people in political office, that's for sure. Uh, so <laughs> it has its place. But, uh, but anyways, yeah, so I'll plug all that into the show notes. Uh, you know, Dr. Coach Kelly, I appreciate you hopping on here uh, with me. Awesome, Damir. Thank you so much. Thank you for all you're doing too. This is this is really helpful and uh, transformative to hear other people's stories. So thank you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, definitely. Hope hopefully get a lot of listeners on this one. Matter of fact, I know we will. We'll, we'll put you sports in the title, and a lot of people will just hop on from that. <laughs> That's for sure. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll share it around up here. This is really really yeah, cool yeah. opportunity. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, this information needs to get out, and 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 uh, it was obviously all awesome chat with you. So uh, thanks again. Awesome. Thanks, Damir. Have a good one. You too. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to another episode of the High Impact Health Podcast. Uh, Continue to impact your health, impact your sports performance, and impact your wellness. Have a good one. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the High Impact Health Podcast with your host, Dr. Damir Jones. It would mean the world to me if you were to hand over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from and just leave me a review or a like or a follow or a subscribe, any of those things that help push the podcast forward. Share it out to a friend or two, right? All this will help me to not only be able to deliver the best content, but help get this knowledge out there more and more. And it allows me to do more of these podcasts, right? The more people we have listening, the more we can kind of spread it out there too. So again, uh, please like, follow, share um, the podcast, and I appreciate that in advance. Thank you.